Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Well, it's about time you showed up. Now we can start the show. <laughs> and we have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian and podcaster. You know him from the podcast Hey Babe with Sal Vacano from Impractical Jokers, as well as his own podcast, Chrissy Chaos. It is my friend, Chris Stefano. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Lisa. Say hi to Lisa, everybody. Hey, Lisa. What's up, Lisa? What's going on, Lisa? And uh, this, was a great, uh, this was a great episode. Chris is so friggin' funny. Uh, and I could not believe how much we are the same. That's a running thing with you. What? You're, you're finding the commonality of your guests. I'm not finding the commonality as much as it's just like, wait a minute. I had this life before he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he's, he's got a friend that he aggravates named Phil, too? Yes, he does. <laughs> we uh, all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of great stories in this interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear them. And one of them uh, was a story about David Letterman. And I found this clip that was on the DVD extras on one of my specials. Um, where I interviewed my mom and dad mm -hmm. with, uh, with, uh, and I remember the, I remember my production assistant, um, looked a lot like my wife. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> I was privy to the conversation. Yeah. We were sitting in the kitchen and I had, I had to come up with some stuff for the DVD. So I said, ah, I'll interview my mom and dad. So this is my mom and dad when they came in to see me do Letterman for the first Ooh. time. When we went into the city to see Adam doing the David Letterman show, I was, I couldn't believe I was there. I couldn't believe he was on the show. And uh, I was like, the first time we went, he didn't, he wasn't on, whatever happened. Then we were invited again, and we went again. And I said, well, I hope he goes on. And I remember sitting in the audience, it was so cold. 
It was like, I can't believe this. David Letterman and his, you know, theater is cold? I remember I was annoyed at Letterman, too. I still am. <laughs> and then you wonder why I carry a grudge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. I oh, still man. am. My father's annoyed. At Le- Never met the man. But he's annoyed that I got bumped, and he still is. He won't let it go. It's hey, so great. You know, he's your biggest yeah. supporter. Yeah. So they came into the city to see me do it, and uh, and it was the first time we were there. Eddie Brill was the producer of the segment, and I know Eddie for years. So he got my parents in early. You know, so they're sitting right in the uh, in the Ed Sullivan Theater. Eddie brings me on stage before before anyone's in there. So all I see is my mom and dad sitting in the audience. And Eddie, <laughs> and I'm waving. That's it. That's all that's there. They got him in early, right? <laughs> So I go back, and we're up in the dressing room, and uh, we're watching the clock and watching the clock, and Lauren Bacall was the guest. God knows why. I have no idea. She's a classic. Yeah, okay. I don't know what she was plugging. I don't know anything, but I'm sitting there. So I got bumped, which means they ran out of time. I got to come back, right? So my, my mom and dad come around. They, we go get them. They come around back to the dressing room. And my mother's going, would someone tell me what the hell just happened? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I got bumped. They ran out of time. What do you mean they ran out of time? We're here. Let's do this. I'm not coming all the way back into the city. (laughs) It it doesn't go on your schedule, right? And my father went like, I said, Lauren Bacall went long. And my father went like this. I never liked it. (laughs) I never liked her in black and white. I don't like her in color. I didn't like her when I saw her live. Key Largo stunk, all right? Yeah. You, now you know. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. I hate Bogey, too, that bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, plus, so if, if you think about it, too, it took them, a, a, you know, some doing to get there. Yeah, well, yeah. Getting into New York City isn't easy. Well, first of all, getting my parents out of the house isn't easy. <laughs> okay, fair Joe, enough. Joe, the house is on fire. It's going to rain tomorrow, Louise. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have that. Yeah. I, I'm a homebody. She, it's almost like house arrest. She doesn't leave. <laughs> Can I just say, I think that's the first time I've heard your dad's voice, the oh, Joe, yeah. who I've heard so much about over these years. Uh-huh. And those first words make me love him even more. I am yeah. so in his camp. He's like, he pissed me off. I don't like that guy. Yeah. Screwed over my son. Forget yeah. him. Oh, I love him. You're going to love this next clip from my father. Don't say that. I was freezing my ass off and he wasn't on. Letterman's a big cheese. Letterman's a pain in the ass. Letterman's a pain in the ass. Oh my God, that's, that's brilliant. That's oh, not the, the good second pain greatest in the ass. talk show host in the history of talk shows. Pain in the ass. That's great. And that's not the good pain in the ass. No, no. That just he really is a pain in the ass. That doesn't mean I love you. I'll do this, but you're driving me crazy. That's that's this guy's a pain in the ass. Oh my God, that's great. Yeah. And this this is why my father thinks Letterman is a pain he is. He freezes the shit out of everybody so that they, they laugh to try and keep warm. <laughs> I love that. He came up with his whole theory on why it was cold. Yeah. And he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and it bothers him. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I feel like I should be standing up when he talks. That's the kind of effect he has on me. <laughs> Yeah. So my father just says whatever comes into his head, just like that. No, he, no filter. No okay. filter whatsoever. And my mother, my mother gets a little concerned. Well, you shouldn't say that. That's why not, not. That's not very. I'm nice. entitled to my opinion. Yeah, but you don't say it when the camera's rolling. I do. Okay, fine. I say it to him. <laughs> I never thought he was very good. 
No comment. Okay. Look at your mom. <laughs> and when he bought my son, you really stunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> your mom's like, Joe, be careful. He might um, be hired by him again. Yeah, or yeah. Something. yeah. My mother's looking out for me. My father just doesn't care. And then, and yeah. then, then they start turning on each other. Why you stop getting so serious? This is the thing. I mean, you're carrying on like you're going to be at the Academy Awards. No, but it's like you don't know what he's going to use. See, that's so what? Uh, lighten up. Oh my god! And then my mother, my mother pushed. My mother ain't taking that from him. So mm-hmm. this is my mother's reaction. Pocket. I'm not talking anymore. And the interview was over. She yeah. stormed off. Yeah. <laughs> so you hear Alex giggling in the interview because she was in the kitchen with me when I did it, and I looked over to her and I was like, "Your parents are nothing like this, are they?" <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> not even close. Now in that relationship, you can see and hear a lot. Okay, yeah. You can see and hear a lot. And you know the one thing you see during that relationship? They're holding hands the whole time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. They're sitting there holding hands the whole time. I forget. Well, you, this is just a thing. Will you stop? Park it, Joe. <laughs> and they're still holding hands. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like those cut-ins in When Harry Met Sally, mm. when they have like the interviews with like the old couples about what true love is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like old yeah. hands and yelling at each other. I know. So true. Perfect. Yeah. My mother- I just knew, like, you know about a bad <clears throat> melon. yeah it's just that my i I remember when i i remember seeing my mother and father they were getting a little older walking through the casino in atlantic city holding hands yelling at each other (laughs) (laughs) and then in your head you're thinking all's right in the world yeah they're they're screaming and yelling and holding each other's hand it's fine and and i remember telling my mother i go ma look he yells a lot but he loves you. He's holding your hand. She's like, yep. He's afraid I'm going to hit him. The chicken shit. <laughs> that was good thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my Letterman story. Chris Stefano's Letterman story has John Travolta and Tracy Morgan in it, and it's hysterical. You guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. And the Emmy goes to Late Show with David Letterman. Letterman is a big cheese. Letterman's a pain in the ass. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Y'all know these episodes are longer than 30 minutes, right? Right? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I got some stand updates for you. April 30th and May 1st, I am going back to see my friends at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. 
And there's a new club. May 6th through the 8th, the Sandman Comedy Club in Richmond, Virginia. My first time there, and I'm very eager to check it out. There's a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a very funny stand-up. His Comedy Central special called Size 38 Waste really made me laugh. His podcasts include Hey Babe with Sal Volcano from Impractical Jokers, and his solo podcast is called Chrissy Chaos. We both have anxiety. His mom is a graduate of Harvard, and his father was a guest of the state. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, help me welcome Chris Stefano. How are you, my friend? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, I am... Um... You know, I, I was a little late for this. I, uh, I'm i sorry, dude. I don't tell my father because my father's a fan of yours. Right. And my father, you know, he likes that your, your guy's whole crew, the Dennis Leary Rescue Me guys. Do not tell him I'm eating elderberry and flower yogurt. <laughs> don't. Don't tell him that I'm eating that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I. One of the things I love about your work, man, is you got the same kind of upbringing and the same kind of attitude like, okay, I can't let this out into this environment because they don't accept that. No, it's almost like literally I remember telling my father and one of his friends like a year ago, I came from the doctor. Like I had good news. I started mm. taking, you know, started eating right, eating more fish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eating in these, these, these yogurts, taking omega three pills. And I said, dad, you know, uh, the doctor said my cholesterol is finally down where it needs to be. He was like, is this the part when you tell me you got a boyfriend? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Because I'm trying to get heart healthy. Yeah. He's like, uh oh, this is the first step to going gay. Yeah. Oh, you can't, you can't do anything. It's like my brother too. It's like when I come home to eat, that's the biggest thing. Because I'm in California, so when I come home to eat, you know, I can't, I can't eat all the shit we used to eat, the the, the meat no. and the cheese. And my brother's relentless. Like, hey, California boy, how's your kale? Huh? Eating uh, kale? Yeah. I know, dude. It's true, man. I've been trying to, you know. Watch what I eat. And, you know, I've been on this app called My Fitness Pal. I don't know if you heard of it. My Fitness Pal, counting calories, exercise, and doing all that. And if I told my father and his crew that I was doing that, they would hand me a pamphlet on homosexuality. That's what would happen to me. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they, but, but you're like, what do you, you don't, you don't, you, you're breathing heavy. You can't smoke Lucky Strikes for breakfast and expect to have a healthy existence. Oh, yeah. No, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about, you know, my father mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes with my comedy, like I, I always make sure it tries to come across, but he is so far as, as much of those jokes as he does. And in right. 2021, you know, you, you can't say anything sure. without, you know, getting canceled, you know, whatever. So with all that being said with my father, for as much as he would, you know, say these gay jokes and mm -hmm. do these gay things, he's very supportive yeah. of the gay community like for example i have a friend who's gay guy been openly gay since you know we knew he was gay when we were teenagers but i we came out of the closet maybe his early 20s friends friend of mine for 20 years his name's steven mm -hmm. right but it goes by steven mm -hmm. so my dad by the way always thinks that guys that go by their full first names like he thinks any guy that goes by their full first name is is gay so <laughs> even you going it for if it's more than four letters like an adam a john right that's thing but if you know if it's 
if your you know name is you know Robert, John, and, but if your name's Jonathan, yeah, if, yeah, if, you, if you're Jonathan and you're going you know by John, that would be he would say, okay, that guy's straight. But if you're Jonathan, he's like, oh, so that guy's gay because if you're straight, he would shorten his name. So my so my friend Stephen goes by Stephen, right. but my dad supports him, right. you know, and 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 is met his boyfriend and everything, but you know can't call him Stephen because my dad's head can't wrap around that because right. he's a guy. So my dad calls him Stevie Blowjobs. That's what my dad calls him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So and you know, it, it, some eighteen-year-old college kid would find be so offended by that Man. and. You know, whatever. But it's like, talk to Steven, talk to Stevie Blowjobs. My dad's like his favorite guy in the world. Right. You know? Well, that's the, the, the thing about your comedy that I liked. Um, well, a lot of it's just it's just flat out funny. But the the underneath stuff that I noticed was you, the intention of your family is very loving and they always have positive intentions. They're just out of their friggin minds. You know, I mean, you exaggerate. I do the same thing for the show. Yeah. But there's no doubt that they just want the best for you and the intentions are positive. Yes, absolutely. I've all, you know, from day one, even starting anything I've done in my life, you know, I, I was an athlete, then I was a physical therapist. Now I do comedy. My family, especially my father mm. has always been the most supportive person, never missed anything in my life. And the way I like to describe my father and other members of my family, I talk about like in my comedy, but how it is in real life, you know, but especially my father, he's always got the right intention, mm. but the wrong move. Mm-hmm. So he always means well, but then he'll always do something that's like, ah, you tried to get your point across. We know what you're saying, but you just did it in a roundabout <laughs> crazy way. Like, for example, in 2012, right, when Hurricane Sandy happened, you know, he lives on Staten Island and, you know, New York got devastated by the hurricane, especially Staten Island neighborhoods were underwater. And my father lived a little bit more inland. So his house wasn't as, you know, devastated got very little damage but he would go down to where the coast is right by the water right by midland beach those houses that community got destroyed and it was it was mainly a latino community and my father rented a u-haul truck and every day would go down for two weeks and help those families out with whatever they needed getting their uh, you know furniture out getting things in and out taking kids to school he even had one family stay with him for a week and he would take their kids to school him and his wife would cook for them and it's a beautiful thing but in the during the course of all that the father of the family his name was Juan my dad mm. called him Jose all the time he's like what's the difference but the intent my what my father did for them yeah. is more and not and you talk to that family they they look at my father like a saint mm. you know but in 2021 times you know it's like you know for the longest time I felt like what's happening to us a little bit now is for the longest time all I ever heard was actions speak louder than words, right? Right. That's all like, you know, any girlfriend ever told me. That's what my mother is. Your actions will speak louder than your words. And now I feel like it's reversed. Now mm-hmm. I feel like words speak louder than actions. You know, it's like well, my father's actions yeah. have always spoke so much louder than his words. But today, some 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid would want to attack my father for his words. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you look at the, the creation paradigm as well, so you know it's thought, mm-hmm. word, and deed. So it's oh, yeah. the thought, your word, and then it's what you do. So but now that everyone's backing up to the word because we're so isolated as a society, you can't see people moving around and doing shit. You, you, only, you only can see what they write. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you're like you're hardcore Catholic. You have a forearm tattoo. Yes. In your mercy, keep us free from sin and protect us from all anxiety. Literally, it was one of those tattoos where the tattoo artist goes, "I just want to make sure that you're sure this is what you want on your forearm." And I said, "Yes, I'm sure." And he goes, "Okay." <laughs> and he just started. Let me ask yeah. you this: 
you got that tattoo. How old were you and why did you get it? I got that tattoo. I must have been 21, 22 years old. Okay. And I used to suffer from extreme anxiety, you know, debilitating anxiety where for me it all started. What opened Pandora's box for me was 9 11, mm-hmm. right? I was in high school. I went to Archbishop Malloy High School in Queens. I was a senior in high school. And um, my mother worked in the second tower. That was it. She survived, thank mm-hmm. God. But I didn't know where she was for 10 hours. Right. So I had a complete nervous breakdown thinking my mom was dead. Um, and it was a whole thing. I got into a fight in school. I got into a huge fight because this kid, Frank, started to laugh at me. So, uh, you know, because the, the, our, our teacher, Mr. Diorio, the history teacher, comes in. And he says, listen, boys, somebody just hit the towers. He goes, mm-hmm. somebody just hit the Twin Towers. It's probably a terrorist attack. I don't know. So I start to immediately cry. I go to an all-boy Catholic high school. My emotions just tipped. Sure. So I don't know. You know, maybe it was the steroids. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but I was also taking cycles of Winstrol at the time. And so <laughs> so Diana so Ball's one, old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was either me missing my mom or D-Balls. I don't know. So I start to cry. And this kid, Frank, starts to laugh at me. So in that moment, being so emotional and out of control, I broke a chair right over his head. I mm-hmm. took the chair I was sitting on and I smashed it over his head, knocked this kid out. You know, that's a big problem. I mean, you could go, you'll <laughs> yeah. get to 10. You know, in any high school, that's a big problem. But in Catholic school, I mean, I remember the week before I had gotten detention from because my top button was unbuttoned. They gave me a, a week in the can. Okay. Now, I've just, now I've just almost killed someone. We're going to see what's going to happen now. <laughs> So I hit this kid Tuesday, uh, you know, uh, I'm crying. Nobody wants to deal with that stuff, those problems on that on 9-11 because it's just too much chaos. So school ends. They let us out a little bit early. I still can't get in touch with my mother. I don't know where she is. I finally get home. I open the door to my apartment. My mother's standing there. And I thought at that moment, I thought she was a ghost. I genuinely thought I was going to hug her, go to hug her and go right through. I thought Uh it was like an apparition. That's just what my mind wouldn't believe that she was alive because I was convinced for two hours she was dead. Mm -hmm. Because I saw the buildings come down. I said, there's no way she's gone. There's no way that she's alive. So I hug her, you know, I'm squeezing her. She's like, Chris, Chris, stop. You're squeezing me. You're squeezing me, honey. I'm like, you know, you're real. You're dead. You know, whatever I said in the moment. And she goes, no, 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 I'm alive. I'm alive. I got out. And then I step back and I look. And she's got blood all over her legs. Mm-hmm. And then I was just was like, oh, my God. Like, I got, like, so angry, like, because I was just so emotional. I was like, I'm joining the fucking Marines. Right. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, they're going to pay for this. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. And she goes, no, no, honey, relax, relax, relax. It's not from the towers. She goes, I fell off the bus in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm like, how do you escape 9-11 <laughs> and then fall off the Q-55? <laughs> oh, my God. So the anxiety, you know, that's when it opened up in me Right, is the anxiety when I was like, man, like those two hours really for 15 years had a major impact on me. And first of all, anytime my mother left the house, it replayed. Yeah. Anytime I was like, I would watch her leave, you know, sit on my stoop and watch her walk to work. And as soon as she, you know, would go out of my vision, you know, get go walk to the train, I would panic, panic, yeah. panic. And then it transferred on to girlfriends that I had any girlfriend I had, you know, most guys would be like, Oh, you know, my girls are texting me back. Who's she fucking banging? Right, Not yeah, me. Yeah. I would be like, you know, she's dead. I would, my girlfriend doesn't text me back. I'd be like, she's dead. I know she's dead. Somebody killed her. She's in the twin towers. Like right. it just would be obsessive, obsessive, obsessive. And I couldn't stop even, you know, college basketball. I remember I was, I was a college athlete. Col- I would used to smuggle my cell phone out in my warm up 
uniform, my warm-up jersey, right. to text my girlfriend at the time to make sure she got home from the train all right. Oh. And the coach, you know, and I didn't know how to, my friend, all my teammates would make fun of me. You know, we're all 19, 20-year-old kids, and they would sure. fuck with me and send me texts, you know, like, hey, just heard your girlfriend died or something like, which they didn't understand. They're just trying to be funny. But for me, it was crippling. Like, I, I it, yeah. they would do that, and I couldn't function. You know what I mean? I, 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 I wouldn't be able to function. And even the coach, my coach at the time, who was a great basketball coach, didn't really know how to deal with it. So I would get disciplined mm. and yelled at. But I was having, like, a mental health crisis that now would be you know dealt with very differently but when I was a sophomore in college before like this anxiety really started to like real because the anxiety only really came out when I had a girlfriend for some reason if I was single there was really nobody to worry about but my mom but my mom was always good at getting back to me and mm. you know I'm her son so we have this connection but sometimes girlfriends of course would be like hey I don't want this guy's texting me left and right I'm not just gonna you know it, it, it felt to, to girls sometimes like I was being you know like overprotective of them and kind of uh, uh you know like not letting them do anything but I, I couldn't control it it wasn't that I didn't trust anybody I just thought everybody around me was gonna die so for so long, you know, with my anxiety, I just would have to just suffer and deal with everything happening. And when I was a freshman, I didn't have a girlfriend. I was single and I was a 96% free throw shooter. 96%. It was wow. like, I never, like I didn't miss free throws. I, my freshman year of college, I played division three, but I was number one division three free throw shooter. Number one in the country percentage me. I didn't, I didn't score a lot of points, but 96% free throw shooter. Fast forward sophomore year, when I have this girlfriend and debilitating anxiety, uh -huh. 48% free throw shooter. 48%. Look, so it changed my whole scope. You're still better than Shaq. I'm still better than Shaq. <laughs> I'm still better than Shaq. Yeah, but but it so, was so that energy you took, you focused on you. And then, look, I don't know, but it sounds like the, the abandonment stuff that got triggered from 9-11, you just transferred onto the woman in your life. That's exactly what I would do. I would transfer it onto the woman in my life. And then and then when I was single, I would feel like, oh, this is a relief. So then yeah. I started to, you know, push people away. I didn't want to be in a relationship because then I'd oh. say the only way that I feel good about myself and the only way that I'm not dying of panic is if I'm single. So then, you know, I was living unhealthy in other ways. And it wasn't really until I had my daughter five years ago that some type of, you know, deep spiritual connection i don't know what it is you know what what it was uh -huh. but something was like hey you need to get control of this anxiety right. because if you transfer this onto your daughter it'll be the biggest mistake you ever made so now i still have you know anxiety and deal with it as as any normal person would especially in these times but i realize what's happening to me and i actually have associated my anxiety with a type of narcissism now when i I, use, I look back at the old me and I would be like, oh, I'm going to die or she's going to die or what happens if this happens to me? And it was always me, me, me. Like, yeah, yeah. this is happening to me. And I realized how narcissistic that was. So I've released kind of as much as I can from that and be like, hey, this world isn't about me. If any, you know, For me now, it's about like me and my girlfriend raising my daughter and I have a second child on the way. And I'm like, I can't waste energy. I need to give them my energy. And yeah. all this anxiety is useless, wasted energy. So it's really helped me turn around to just kind of realize that shit ain't about me. Yeah. Did you transfer the uh, abandonment stuff to your daughter? Do you freak out if, if you don't know where she is in every minute? Yeah. I mean, a little bit like any parent. And listen, she's only five years old now. So, for, you know, we always know where she is. But I do sometimes think about like sometimes I'll be watching a movie and it's like an innocent scene where like, you know, 
some 16 year old girl is just driving with her boyfriend. And I'm like, Oh my God, if I was her father, I'd be hiding in the trunk yeah. just, just to make sure <laughs> yeah. she got to where she's going. Yeah, I had, a, I had Paul Verzi on and he's, oh, got, yeah. he's got the OCD thoughts. And he said he was watching forensic files and he's laying in bed and he's thinking I could clip my wife and get away with it. What are, what are you thinking <laughs> about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know, man. I it's one of those things like as comedians, I think the reason why we do this is because we, you know, there's a we all have a quirk, you know, mm-hmm. some type of quirkiness. Everybody's got something a little different. But I think, you know, with anxiety and stuff, if you can use that energy for good, then it's better because, you know, and I've tried to do the research on it, read books. You know, I was reading this book called Sapiens. It was a fantastic book about like just like the uh, you know evolution of man and and it's got it's no opinions it's just yeah. facts and really anxiety used to be used like when we were you know still like cavemen and you know yeah, being it was survival mechanism it was a survival mechanism so now it's wasted energy we don't really need that anymore mm-hmm. we don't need anxiety you know it's it's a useless thing most times you know we're just okay yeah but the thing that i admire about you is you took the initiative to address those feelings where our fathers would shove them down. Oh my God. Not even look at them. And, and the yeah. example you had from your dad, you actually had to, well, I, I'm not, something's either an example or it's a warning, Chris. And you, yeah. I think you took your father's behavior and choices as a warning. As a warning. Yeah. Because and even my father would know, my father would tell me at different points throughout, you know, raising me, you don't want to be like me. He mm-hmm. would always say like, if you want to see the wrong example, then just look at me. He goes, right. do the opposite of what I'm doing and you'll be okay. He would say things like that to me all the time. And it was like, you know, kind of like depressing and dark, but <laughs> he kind of knew he was like, you know, you don't want to end up like me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't feel that way. I mean, I'm proud of my dad and my, you know, my dad, like I said, like, well, I think the positive things about my father is, you know, he's a very loving man. He, he, you know, loyalty and family is everything to him. He's never missed anything in my life, never missed anything in my daughter's life. So there's positives. But yeah, like that right intention, wrong move thing is like, I do look at some of the things my dad did and be like, okay, how can I give this lesson to my daughter, but not commit a crime while I'm doing it? <laughs> yeah. I like, I like, can you tell the story when your dad came to get you reinstated in school? Oh, my God. Well, piggybacking off that 9-11 story, you know, that was a Tuesday, 9-11, right? I broke the chair over Frank's head. I I told you, like, you know, the principal and everybody couldn't deal with anything that day. So I knew, though, that I was going to be in big trouble. It's Mm. like, you know, that that doesn't just go away. So Wednesday, all schools in New York City were closed. So nobody came into school Wednesday. Thursday, I walk into school. I didn't tell anybody about what happened to Frank, you Mm -hmm. know, what, what I did. I, but Thursday, I walk into school like I didn't just put somebody in a coma. And I walk in like <laughs> nobody's going to say anything. It's 9-11. It, you know, it was a tragedy. You know, let's let bygones be bygones. Maybe this kid will make it. He's on a ventilator now. But, you know, it had to happen. So, so I walk in and the principal stops me, Brother Rob, and he goes to Stefano. He goes, what do you think you're doing? I was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm late for school, sir. And he was like. Yeah, no, you're expelled. You're expelled. And I was like, why? What happened? You know, like, like playing dumb, <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I forgot. Remember. And he goes, you're going to, yeah. He goes, you're expelled. You're not going to step foot inside the school. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I don't think I had a cell phone then or the cell phone wasn't working. I had to go to a pay phone. I went to a pay phone. First call I make is my father. I have to call my father. Now my father lives on Staten Island. Archbishop Malloy is in the middle of Queens. And if you don't know, like that's at, you know, 830 in the morning on a bridges. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's two hours away. I mean, this thing, it's, you know, it's two hours away. It's traffic, like whatever. So I call my father 
I say, Dad, listen, I made a mistake on Tuesday. I got upset. I thought mom was dead. I broke a chair over this kid's head, and now they've expelled me. And my father's first words, he goes, he goes, okay. He goes, here's the thing. You're not expelled. And I was like, no, no, I'm telling you, Dad. Like, the principal just told me I'm expelled. <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. He goes, listen, give me 45 minutes. I'll be down there. I swear. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to be there in 45 minutes. Like 43 minutes later, my dad shows up. I'll never forget. Shows up. New York Yankees batting practice jacket, shorts, dirty New Balance sneakers, holding like an extra large cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he had probably had all the bets on the games that he was betting on that night. He probably had them on a piece of paper somewhere like that kind of thing. You know, he had the New York Post. I mean, this, all, this guy always has the fucking New York Post. I mean, wherever. Dude, even even when my daughter was being born on the day my daughter was born, I'm talking about my girlfriend is like crowning in the hospital. My mother's mm-hmm. there. Her mother's there. You know, my dad's not supposed to come in. It's a freaking, you know, OBGYN, you know, hospital. Like we're only we're supposed to be in there. Only the people who were there. She was in labor for 15 hours, legit crowning. My dad walks in. He goes, we're having a baby. And we were like, oh my God. I was like, dad, my girlfriend's like, Tony, what are you doing? He has the New York Post under his, under his armpit. You know, he goes, what, what, what? I can't be, it's my grandchild. And then my mother, you know, they've been divorced my whole life, my, my mom and dad. But my mother was like, Tony, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. And then he goes, all right, relax. Jesus Christ, lady, you've been on my case for 30 years. Literally, while, this is all happening while the, my child's head is coming out. And then as he's walking out the door, he goes, Chrissy, he goes, come outside as soon as the baby's born. He goes, oh, and by the way, Sabathia got fucking rocked last night. He goes, and I was like, okay. He goes, Yankees suck as, as, as the you know doors are closing. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Then I, you know, and we had had a gender reveal party. Everybody right. knew it was going to be a girl. Mm-hmm. I come out, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, now I got a beautiful baby girl. Her name's Delilah. He goes, ah, shit. He goes, I lost a thousand. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You lost a thousand. He goes, I had a bet with some of my friends that it was going to be a boy. I was like, <laughs> you were at the gender reveal party. Yeah, yeah. You knew it scientifically was going to be a girl. He goes, I'm telling you, I, I, there's always, you know, in life you take chances. So I put a thousand on a boy. <laughs> who, I was co- like, okay. who faded him that bet, though? Who covered that yeah. bet? Who I don't know. I well, his I mean, him and his friends. You know, oh. him and his friends. They they bet on all types of shit. Oh I mean, it's the God. stupidest shit. So you know. So anyway, so that's my dad. But but going back to 2001. You know, 43 minutes later, the guy shows up. You know, Yankees batting practice jacket, the cup of coffee, and you know, we go into the you know principal's office, the main lobby there. And of course, you need a meeting with the principal. I mean, it's not like you know whatever. My dad just walks in. He just walks into the office, and. You know, even the secretary was like, sir, you know, you need to have a meeting. He goes, no, 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 I got a meeting. And, and, but there was no meeting scheduled. So I'm like, what is happening, you know? So I'm just walking in. And Brother Rob was on the phone. Right. He was on the phone. And so he goes, uh, he goes, hey. He goes, and then he turns around to Chris. He goes, what's the guy's name again? I was like, Brother Rob. He goes, yeah. He calls him Brother. I said Brother Rob. He goes, Brother Bob. So it's like just a little thing that little my bit. dad would do. Like he just does that little fuck ups where he's like, you know, just the, it's the little things with my dad. He goes, hey, Brother Bob. He goes, um, he's on the phone and he goes, uh, he goes, listen, can I talk to you? And brother, brother Rob goes, um, excuse me. Uh, he goes, Chris, is this your father? I said, I said, yeah. He goes, well, sir, you need to wait outside. You know, you need an appointment. He goes, no, no I need to talk to you now. So can you just get off the phone? And then 
brother Rob was like, I'm on a phone call, sir. Mm-hmm. So no. And then my dad, just, you know, they had like an old school phone. My dad just hangs up the phone. <laughs> he just clicks his receiver and he just two fingers like this, just like a dick. He goes like that. <laughs> and he just hangs up the phone and he goes, I'll never forget the exact quote. He goes, he goes, wow, look at that. Whoop-de-doo. Now you're not on the phone. When he said whoop-de-doo, I was like, this guy's a psycho. <laughs> So he goes, whoop de doo you're not on the phone. So I was like, okay, here we go. Again, my dad was, you know, in and out of jail, you know, at, at times in my life, like, you know, ran around with a criminal guy, very good guy, very wholesome guy, never was scared around my father once in my life, but he ran around, you know, yeah. with these guys. He's from the Bronx, you know, originally, like all that stuff. So one of those guys, so he goes, um, he says to brother Rob, he goes, my son allegedly hit somebody in the head with a chair. <laughs> allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. And then brother Rob is like, no, it's not allegedly. We, we know everybody know the whole class is witnesses and we have it on camera. He goes, well, it's alleged. He, go, he goes, he allegedly hit somebody in the head. So, so brother Rob said, so he says to me, he says to brother Rob, he goes, look, there's gotta be something we could do. I mean, we, you know, we're not going to throw my kid out of school. Right. And then brother Rob was like, no, we're, we're throwing him out of school. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually no other course of action other than expulsion. Brother Rob says, his kid's still in the hospital. And my dad goes, he'll live. And, you know, which my dad had no information about you <laughs> no, know, what no, hospital he was no, in. He no, had no, no idea the damage. He just goes, he'll live. So, okay, <laughs> just quickly. So brother Rob says, well, he's expelled. And my dad goes, there's got to be another way. Let's let's talk about another way. It goes, you know, man to man, let's talk about another way. And Brother Rob says, there's no other way. Mm-hmm. My dad goes, there has to be another way. And then Brother Rob, again, not knowing who my father is, not knowing the kind of person he's dealing with, says to my dad, he goes, sir, are you stupid or something? I told you there's no other way. And then my dad just does that thing where he just starts rubbing his temples. And I've seen that before. And he looks up at the ceiling and then he turns around. And this one I knew was bad. He goes, Chrissy, lock the door. So... <laughs> Now, now, now you're an accomplice. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm an accomplice. And once he called me Chrissy, anytime he would call me by my little girl name, yeah. I knew shit was about to pop off. <laughs> when, when he said Chrissy, I was like, uh-oh, this guy's fucking wigging out now. Yeah. He goes, Chrissy, lock the door. It's weird. If, if there was a blood pressure cuff attached uh-huh. to my father's arm during all this, I'm telling you, the calmest he was, the lowest his blood pressure would have been throughout this whole ordeal it is right now when he gets to the moment of impending violence. Yeah. This is when my father is cool as a cucumber. He says to him, and he even put fear in me. It was like, oh, my God. He says to brother, brother Rob, he goes, listen. He goes, you got two options right now. He goes, the second option is really going to suck for you. <laughs> he goes, here's the first option. Mm-hmm. You just put my son back in school. We signed some papers. He goes, you make some things go away. You put my son right back in school. He goes, the second option, he goes, and this one's really going to suck for you. He was like, but you make your own choice. He goes, I'm going to come over there. I'm going to break both your kneecaps. <laughs> and he says, and what she says right after this, which I was like, wow. He goes, now, listen, you're going to think that I heard that line in a movie. He goes, I'm one of the guys they write the movies about. <laughs> he goes, so I'm going to come over there. He goes, I'm going to break both your kneecaps. He says, and then I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them exactly who did it. I'm going to give him my social security number. I'm going to give him my address. He goes, here's why. I'd rather go to jail for the rest of my life and be back with my friends than you have to throw him out of school and me have to listen to his mother's fucking mouth for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh he my goes, God. He goes, so for me, 
Jail's not a problem. Of course, Brother Rob, white as a ghost, sure. you know, doesn't know what to do. I don't even know what to do. I'm like, this is terrifying. And then Brother Rob says, well, what would you suggest, sir? What would you suggest? He goes, all right. He goes, listen, the kid, you know, he goes, listen, Chris, you, you know, you, you can't hit people. He right. goes, I, I don't know. And then he has the audacity to tell me, he goes, I don't know where you learned something like that to hit somebody that way. I'm like, oh, Let's so, rewind the tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know, the last 30 seconds, maybe? <laughs> oh, so, God. Yeah, so so he says, how about, he goes, how about we give them detention yeah. for the rest of the year, and uh, we throw them off the basketball team? You know, I was illegally taking steroids. I'm trying to fucking right. be the basketball player over here. And then I was, I was pissed. I was like, no, Dad, fuck that. Break his legs. I want to play ball. <laughs> But but that's what was decided is yeah. before and after before and after school. Right. So, you know, det- usually detention is after school. I have to go before school, being at 7 a.m. to start detention. Right. And then after school, you know, 2.30 to 3.30 every day from September, you know, 13th, 14th through June. So yeah. so it was cr- my senior school, high school was crazy. I mean, I was before and after every, sure. you know. Yeah. So and then and then, you know, I got, you know, thrown off, thrown off the basketball team. So. You know, and that's how it is. And I'm telling you, by the end of the school year, it was one of those things where I, I still, I don't even know, like I haven't asked about it, but my dad and brother Rob became friends. Like at my yeah. high school graduation, they were talking like, like they went to high school together. Yeah. My dad is one of those guys that, you know, he, listen, he's a fun guy. If mm-hmm. I'm being honest, like everybody that's met my dad, no matter what race, religion, creed you are, there's just a likability my father has that, I can't explain. Like, for example, now fast forward, I went to um, New York Institute of Technology for graduate school, NYIT, mm-hmm. out in Old Westbury. And um, you got to get a doctorate degree in physical therapy. So I got my doctorate, which my father didn't even understand when I told him I was getting to graduate school because my mother's an academic. Right. So my mother was like so proud of me. My father was like, I don't understand. Like, what, what the fuck? You're yeah. going to college twice over here? Yeah. I mean, graduate <laughs> school, you already graduated. I'm You're like, a doctor. You know, uh, Can you write me a prescription? No. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Kid, yeah. So he's like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm a physical therapist, dude. I can massage your elbow. I can't do anything. <laughs> like, I'm not a real doctor. That's a very deceiving thing that they make physical therapists get doctor's degrees. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, but, <laughs> I'm telling but, you right now, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor at all. Yeah. And then, you know, forget about it with the pandemic, you know, with uh, Governor Cuomo, you know, back in April reinstated any lapsed health professionals license, which mine was lapsed. I've been, you know, I've been doing comedy full time since 2013. Mm -hmm. He, now I'm a reinstated physical therapist. So I could legally give you advice right now and you can't sue me if I fuck up. Like (laughs) I'm like, I'm a fully reinstated licensed therapist, which is, I haven't done anything since 2013. I have no idea (laughs) what to do anymore. So yeah. So at my college graduate school graduation, it was like an Inclusive ceremony, and it's you know it was a big school, so we had uh, uh, Chuck Schumer yep. gave a speech, Senator Chuck Schumer. Then they had a, a priest give a speech, and then they had a uh, imam, like a Muslim yeah. imam, give a speech, and he gave a speech in Arabic. And the last prayer, that was the last one, it was in Arabic, and it's you know fifteen hundred people, two thousand people in this auditorium. Literally, my dad's sitting you know way in the back. I'm sitting up front. My father. You know, when the imam is done, you know, giving his speech in Arabic, there's a moment of silence. And I hear my father from the back yell, Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) 
Everybody turns around. All 2,000 people turned around except me. I kept looking straight ahead because I knew exactly who it was, and I did not want to even be associated with it. I just kept looking up, and as beads of sweat were falling off my tassels, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Then I'm walking across the platform to get my doctorate degree. And they say, you know, next up, Dr. Christopher DiStefano, everybody else's parents, you know, professional, kind, respectful. My father from the back yells, that's my fucking kid. (laughs) And, you know, I just looked over and I saw my mom hit him, you know, with her purse, which I've seen a thousand. My mom, my dad got hit simultaneously at the same time. My mom with his purse on the right arm and my stepmom on his purse with the left arm. Oh, that's great. Before I let you go, I, I yeah. howled at the at the Tracy Morgan story. Can you just tell the Tracy Morgan story at Letterman? Oh, with the Letterman? Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. So I just snuck in there mm-hmm. with Letterman. I, I, I was one of the guys I got on late in 2013. And then, you know, he did, you know, I don't know, maybe 50 more episodes. And, and that was it. But, you know, those last episodes, those last 20 episodes, it was the big guys. It was mm-hmm. the Ray Romanos of the and the big comedians, you know. I was one of the, you know, nobody comedians, one of the last nobodies to get on. And uh, first of all, I, you know, again, not being ever in that position before, it's literally the day of David Letterman taping, June Mm -hmm. 13th, 2013. I'm about to do it. That morning I wake up, I'm like, oh shit, I don't have a suit. So I go to Joseph A. Bank, uh, it's off, you know, off the side of the highway in Long Island, and I get a suit right off the rack. I mean, if you ever look at the letter, the, my suit is 10 times too big. I look like I'm wearing body armor. It's a fucking Joseph A. Bank right off the rack suit, like an asshole. Probably still have the tags on the pants. So it was one of those things where my agent, literally, I'm in David Letterman green room. He goes, he goes, is that the suit you're going to wear? I was like, yeah, is it bad? He was like, no, nah, no, it's fine. Like, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he wanted to say yes. He was like, you don't have anything else? <laughs> so, so I go out there and, you know, I'm about to go out and it's, it's, it, my mother came down with me. It was, it was me and my mom right in the, the waiting room, right before you go out, mm-hmm. you know, the producer says, you know, cause you done Letterman, yeah, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So, so the producer says, you know, Hey, I'm going to give you a tap on the back. And then you're going to go out because you can't hear anything and blah, 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 blah. So this whole time, I keep thinking everybody's touching my back. I'm like, well, who just touched my back? Do I go out? Yeah. I'm fucking like, mom, stop touching my back. Like, I don't, you know, I'm flipping out because I, I keep thinking they touch my back. He's like, you got to go out immediately yeah, yeah. or else you fuck the whole thing up. I'm like, ah. So, so I'm paranoid. I'm really wound up. And John Travolta is the other guest. Okay. Right. So Travolta's on the couch, you know. You know, you know, being the guest, killing, charismatic. Right. John Travolta, been on Letterman a thousand times. He's in his element. It's John Travolta. Sure. So then segment ends. They're about to go to commercial break. I'm going on next in whatever it is, 90 seconds. Travolta's walking out, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. My mother's flipping. She, like, can't imagine that she's about to just get to smell John Travolta. He's about to walk right by, so she's losing it. So he walks by me, and he stops, and he goes, Ooh, you have on a beautiful suit. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was looking, I was like, do I? And, and he goes, and he goes, what do you do? And I said, oh, actually, I do stand up comedy. I'm going on next. And he goes, oh, that's great. So you've already done it. And I said, no, uh, no, I'm going on next. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, but you've already done it. And I said, no, 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 I'm going on next. And then he puts his hand on my chest, like just puts it like this. He went like this. 
right on my chest. Right. And he goes, oh, my goodness. He goes, your heart's beating so fast. I was like, yeah, well, you're massaging my nipples. So <laughs> you're, John Travolta's massaging my nipples. So it's, it's I got beating a little chills. fast. They're multiplying. <laughs> yeah, they're, I got chills. They're multiplying. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so he goes, your heart's beating so fast, and it shouldn't be. He goes, here's what I'm trying to say to you. He goes, you've already done it. He was like, you've already been vetted by Mr. Letterman's people, I'd imagine. They're not right. just going to let you on. Right. He goes, you've already done this set, I would imagine, 50, 100 times, right? Right. I said, yeah. He goes, and they've booked you. He goes, so the work is done. You just have to go live the moment. That's all you need to do right now is just go live the moment. It is over. You've already put in the work. Just go live out the five minutes. This is the fun part. You did the hard part. Now you can go have fun. It's over. And I'm telling you, Adam, it calmed me down from like, you know, a hundred to zero. I was so Zen right before I was about to walk out. He said, I'm going to watch you live these five minutes. He goes, this is your first time on TV, right? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to watch this moment. He goes, me and your mom are going to be here when you come back. And we're going to, I want to watch you do this. And I swear to God, I went out with like feeling like a million bucks and still to this day feel like that was the most comfortable I've ever been doing comedy on television. And I do it. David Letterman shakes my hand. I say, thank you so much, Mr. Letterman. He whispers in my ear, great job, kid. And I was like, oh my God, this is like my moment. I got chills. You know, I'm walking back thinking I'm going to see John Travolta, my mom, and it's just my mom. Mm -hmm. And I go, ma, where's John Travolta? She goes, oh, he left immediately. (laughs) She goes... She goes, as soon as you said hello to the crowd, he walked right out. She was like, he, he just turned around, did a dance move and said, I'm late. I got to get on my plate. So, but I know. So at first I was like, oh man, that's fucked up. But he did that just, he did that just for me. He did, he did everything he could. He was like this moment where he's like, I know he'll probably never see me again. Mm. I'm sure if you ever heard this story, he would never even remember it. Sure. But he did these things for me to just calm me down. So emo, you know, I just emotionally, he just yeah m- relaxed me, and it was it was the perfect thing. And then, so you know, I felt so good, I felt on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like as comments, what we do is we got to feel like shit. So I immediately go down with my friends and my girlfriend at the time. We take the train right downtown to the West Village to this place called the Village Lantern, and I did that same David Letterman set that I just felt on top of the world with, and I bombed with it in front of five Swedish tourists, <laughs> just in the. That's just what we do. I had to feel like shit. And then I'm like, great. So I'm coming up the stairs from the village lantern, my friends and my girlfriend at the time. And I see, I swear to God, because at first you think, wow, I mean, am I a mushroom or something? I see Tracy Morgan, the great Tracy Morgan, getting off the bus. I see him getting off a bus. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is that Tracy Morgan? It's the middle of June. He's got no shirt on, velour, velour pants. You know, Jordans and a huge gold chain. And so me and all my friends were like, is this fucking Tracy Morgan right here? So he walks up to us. You know, he's walking by. And my girlfriend at the time goes, oh, Tracy. He goes, that's, he goes, he goes, hey, Tracy Morgan. My friend's like, Tracy Morgan. And Tracy's like, yeah, 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 what up? And and she goes, my boyfriend just did David Letterman. And he goes, yo, for real? (laughs) And then to me, he goes, yo, for real? And I go, yeah. And he puts me, puts me in his armpit like his he's not wearing a shirt he puts in his armpit and he goes his arm around me and he goes i'm so proud of you he goes i know since the first moment i saw you one day you was gonna do letterman and i was like i've never met you and he, i swear to god he goes one day i knew he was gonna do letterman 
And he goes, yeah. And I was like, yeah, thanks, Tracy. He goes, yeah, bro. He goes, you keep doing you. He goes, this is a special moment for me, but it's even more special moment for you. He goes, and your girl's fine as fuck with her toes painted like Skittles. And I was like, okay. And then he releases me. He goes, I'm going to see you when I see you. And then he walked away. And I was like, what did that? And then, and again, I have witnesses. I have 10 people that saw this happen. And I was like, what the fuck? And then at that point, I was like, I just want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go to bed. Oh, you make me laugh so much, my friend. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you for having me. The podcast, Hey Babe, with Sal Volcano, and uh, his, uh, his new podcast called uh, Chrissy Chaos. Uh, please, please check out Mr. DiStefano. He will make you laugh every time. Thank you so much, my friend. Best to you and the family. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it, man. It was an honor. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say your father and brother Rob were discussing your future attendance of school and things get a little heated. Chrissy, lock the door. This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. You know that they also have edibles. They also have tinctures. They also have pain creams. They also have bath products. And they also have pet products. As a matter of fact, you take 20% off anything they have at Cruise Into Wellness with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off with the coupon code ADAM at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Hi, my name is Chris Stefano, and that was 30 Minutes. I'll never get back. Oh, I laughed every moment of that interview. What a great guy he is. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Look at yes. the similarities in yes, that. Yes, I do. But it's funny. He took the advice that you give. Oh, from Travolta. Uh-huh. Yeah. Phil gave the advice to me. You already hit the home run. Now go run the bases. I gave it to Paul Verzi. Travolta gave it to Stefano. Yeah, passing it on. Which means everyone here is Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a cool moment for a guy like Travolta to do that. You know, yeah. And then the guy on the on the cusp, like about to, you know, basically take his first at bat in the big leagues. You know, and gives him that 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 pep talk that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, to get out on stage and crush it. You know, that's just cool, man. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I thought he was trying, probably trying to pick him up. <laughs> that's you know. a beautiful suit. What? <laughs> it's not hemmed. It's stapled. <laughs> I got it at Joseph A. Bank an hour ago. <laughs> it's like I got to get a suit for less. Than... <laughs> I'll tell you what killed me, man. I got chills. I'm multiplying. <laughs> killed me. That was great. That was great. Oh, man. Yeah. He and, was... and by the way, the backside of that. What? Tracy Morgan, who had <laughs> no idea who he was. That was, yeah. that was the best part of the story. Tracy Morgan goes, yo, Great. for real? Put us in yeah, a headlock? Yeah, for real? <laughs> <laughs> I always knew you'd make it. Yeah. You don't know my what? name, man. You just what? got off what? the bus and I'm standing here. <laughs> that was just perfect. And yeah. again, that's how I like to think Tracy Morgan is in real life, just walking around being that guy. He yeah. is. <laughs> Obviously, he is. <laughs> right. Yeah, he is very generous. And you know how I know that? Because mm-hmm. you know, remember that photo book that you did for Lamore? Oh, yeah, Lamore Garfield. She is a great photographer and an even better human being with all her charity work. She told me about how generous he was when she was first starting the series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you have a big name like Tracy, mm-hmm. then you get other people on board. But he was like, sure, I'll do it. And it was it's for a good fundraiser. And he helped her out and 
started her off really well. Yeah, I heard he got off the bus, put her in a headlock, and goes, yo, come here. I'm going to help you with your book. <laughs> Are those Skittles on your toes? <laughs> I knew you would make it. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's the perfect cap to that evening, man. Yeah. That's just brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, that was great. And and he's such a great storyteller. I was I was thoroughly enjoying the interview because he just gets, he's he's just into every story he tells. So mm-hmm. uh, he has that kind of magnetic personality. I really like him a great deal. Mm-hmm. Adam, you know when he was telling the story about his dad going to school. Mm-hmm. I immediately thought of Pop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. We, that, that, this is another way that we're similar. So the, you heard the whole story about how his father came to school and said, you're suspended. <laughs> nah, you're not. I'll be there for it. <laughs> that happened to me when I was a kid. I got in a, there was a kid that was picking on me, mm-hmm. right? And I was just, he was just bigger than me. He was older than me. He was, he was meaner than me. So mm-hmm. I couldn't tell my father because I was ashamed because my father was, you know, this big guy. And you, so I was ashamed to tell him. So what do you do? You take your punches and one day, I just had it. I just, I, I figured there ain't no one coming to save me. So I picked up a garbage can and I hit the kid under the chin, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I hit him under the chin. So he's bleeding under the chin. We're, sit, we're sitting in the principal's <clears throat> office, right? And they called my father. And that's the worst thing you can do. You know? Yes. So, so my father's got to get off work, drive up. I heard the truck pull up. There was this sign that said, no parking, teachers only. My father parked <laughs> the truck right in front of the sign. That's great. He never walked into the office like the Stefano's father. There wasn't really a whole conversation. My father filled up the doorway. And the principal <laughs> said, you know, Mr. Ferrari, your son was involved in a fight. These kids have been fighting for a while, but today your son picked up a garbage can and hit the kid under the chin. My father looked at the kid. He looked at the principal. He looked at me. He looked back at the principal and he said, well, if I was you two guys, I would stay the hell out of his way. And he walked <laughs> out the door. <laughs> he left. The conversation oh. was over. Whatever he, that principal had to say after that was irrelevant. And he was shaking. He had no idea what to do. The, he yelled out, this isn't over, Mr. Ferrara. And from down the hall, we heard, yeah, it is. And that was it. <laughs> he assessed the situation. That was it. <laughs> My God, that so is the, great. Yeah. So they sent me home that night. I got a letter. They suspended me. Here, they, they gave me the thing. I had to have my father sign it. I brought it home. I said, Pop, I need you to sign this. They suspended me. Mark, he didn't look up from the plate. He just went, here goes school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then he says, if the principal's got a problem, you tell him to call me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So you went? So I go to school, right? And everyone, all the kids knew that I was suspended, mm-hmm. right? So That's I'm, a big deal. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at me on the school bus and nobody would look at me. Of course not. They yeah. didn't know what was happening. They were like, I don't want to get involved. Yeah. Was like, I was like ostracized. They didn't want to look at me. No, yeah. I walk in, the principal sees me and he's like, Mr. Farrar, what are you doing here? I'm like, look, I'm just as shocked as you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. I said, my father said, I have to attend school. Now, if there's a problem, he's instructed me to tell you that you should call him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but my job here is done. And I left. And the principal stood there. And I never heard another word about it. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I don't think he called my father. I think all right, this is a push. He got rid of all paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you with 100% certainty mm-hmm. that he never called your dad. No, I don't think he did either. Never. Or anything other than to say, is there anything I can do for you, Joe? I'm yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. Mr. Ferrara, sir. Yeah. Wow. I say this as somebody that got 
and an awful lot of trouble when he was in school. Mm. And I, you know how much I love my dad. I yes, love I my do. dad so dearly. Never once did he say, you go to school tomorrow. You didn't get kicked out. You didn't get suspended. It was always like, all right, great. We're out of here. Thanks for everything. <laughs> so when I go back in my time machine, I'm calling your dad and say, listen, I know you don't know me. Uh-huh. I need you to come to my high school just for a couple of minutes. OK, I need you to straighten this out for me. Don't you know, worry. Oh my I'm going to straighten great. everything out for you, Mark. And then when I'm done, I'm going to straighten out Letterman. Letterman's a fan of the ass. Your dad That's did have great. a good ability of assessing the situation mm-hmm. and doing the right thing. Yeah. Yep. By the way, I'm going to guess that some of the scariest words that were ever uttered to you when you were a kid mm-hmm. is wait till your father gets home. Is that, oh. is that accurate? Yeah, it was. This, this is my father, Mark. There was no ambiguity about what was going to happen in the house. <laughs> right. I, remember, I, got, I remember saying, Pop, I don't think this is fair. My father went, fair. Let me explain <laughs> something to you. You live in a dictatorship. <laughs> I am the dictator. The minute you feel you have a vote as to what goes on in this house, just sit down till that feeling goes away. <laughs> well, let's okay. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he was he was large in life, my dad. That's old school Italian. Yeah, that, 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 that's old school authoritarianism. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, but that's like, I mean, in my mind's eye, and again, I, I never had the good fortune to meet your dad, mm. but I'm picturing some combination of Sonny Corleone and John Wayne walking into that school mm. and just everybody taking like, oh, man, do not mess with this guy. Mm-hmm. Whatever he says, it's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. he was more like like Jackie Gleason with a homicidal tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> OK, all right. Picture that. Yeah. All right. I just got one question. Yeah. So what was the reaction of the kid who you hit the chin with the trash can when you're back at school as if nothing happened? What I'll be honest say? with you. After that fight. We, he never picked on me again. We actually became friends after that. And I don't, th- really? I, I don't think it was because, you know, I stuck up for myself. I just thought it was because of my father. He's like, hey, dude, you all right? Can I give you something? You want my lunch? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about your dad. Yeah. I don't need him coming down here. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that guy in the office. I don't want any part of that. You like bologna? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, great. it was great. No one, no one messed with me after that. And, and, and he, he cared about people. Everybody would come to him for advice. I remember when I was a kid, um, about four or five o'clock when the workday was over and, and we were bringing the trucks back and unloading the tools off the truck and everything. Mm-hmm. Somebody, inevitably, somebody from the neighborhood would come down and give my dad a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And they would sit in the, and just tell him and, and just tell my dad their problems. And he would sit there mm-hmm. with a cup of coffee like, what's the matter? And they would just pour their hearts out to him. <laughs> and I remember I was a kid. I was a little boy sitting in the corner of his, of his office playing with a, with a pipe with a pipe cutter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> playing with a pipe cutter. Yeah, I was playing with a pipe cutter. As kids do. It was a half-inch inch copper pipe cutter. You turn it, you spin it, you turn it, and it cuts the pipe, right? Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there, and I just hear these adults just say, Joe, I don't know. And, and he would just like well, give he a little piece. He had that common sense. Yeah. But he, but he genuinely cared about people. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he said... I remember when he said, he goes, you got to give people, people need, people are going to screw up, mm-hmm. you know, you got to make it okay to screw up and, and give them a way out. Yeah. Goes, and a way back in. Yeah. Now, when all these people were coming to ask advice for mm-hmm. various problems that they're having, do you ever remember a singer that was trying to get a part in a movie and he couldn't get that Johnny part? Johnny Fontaine like, never gets that picture. <laughs> That's exactly where I went, Marcus. That's exactly where I went. 
You could be a man. <laughs> yeah. This Hollywood big shot's going to give you whatever you want. I went exactly where I went. Right on the same track. I finally get it. It's a Godfather reference. There you go. <laughs> Yay, me. Sorry, Alex. Yay, you. <laughs> You know when Chris was talking about his father having good intentions but bad execution? Yes. It really reminded me of you. Great, thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a Hallmark moment. Yeah. I, yeah. I love you too. <laughs> uh, let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because you have a great heart. You Thank have, you. Yes, and you care about people. But the your style of delivery is mm. like that of a crime boss. <laughs> Excuse me, what is it you mean by that? Exactly. <laughs> You're like, come here. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Come here. <laughs> Here's what you're going to do, all right? Listen to me. All right, you know, I, 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 I really wish you were wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, because I'll catch myself, too. Because she's she like, Adam, I need to. All right, here's what we're going to do. Come here. Look at me. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> it's <Try> instinctual. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. Trust me. But When things go awry, which they have, mm -hmm. everybody says, let's call Adam because Adam knows how to think like a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank right. you very so much. So we get that really great perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. But yeah, but she's right. The first, it, it was funny, like every time, and I think I might have mentioned this before, even in acting, like even when I got to do a love scene, the first thing is like, I love you. Get break my heart. I dare you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right out of the box. It's just like that. Right out okay, of the box. Okay, cut. <laughs> so, cut, Adam. Listen. But yeah, but soften that up a little bit. Exactly. Just to, I, know. I go, um, Adam, mm -hmm. just a little note. <laughs> yeah, just, but that, yeah. that's the emotional protection I have to get to the vulnerable part where I got to be. So that, mm -hmm. that's where I start out. Then I got to chip away at everything. That's but good. it's effective advice, you know? I mean, listen, when you tell me stuff, Adam, mm -hmm. and you have that voice, I listen and I do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid if I don't, there's going to be consequences. Well, I, I kind of have that problem of having a good heart, but my execution is not that of a crime boss. In fact, it's the opposite. Mm. I kind of don't, I let kind of people, well, let me rephrase this. I've let people kind of take advantage of my kind heart. Yeah, that, that shit mm. stopped when we got married. Well, no, there was a time. <laughs> well, I said, that, enough. Well, no, they're in need. I go, they're in need of my foot in their ass. That's going to straighten everything out. Trust me. They won't be needy anymore. Let me tell you a story. Okay. Okay. So there was this guy mm -hmm. who he said, um, I'm getting kicked out. I don't have any place to go. He's from Alabama or somewhere. Mm. And I have an... I had an extra room in my apartment mm. and I said, well, you can crash in Stop my- Stop right there. Done. <laughs> not happening. Not going to work. Not happening. Not going to work. Keep moving to Alabama. Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> Calling you back, baby. Let me finish the story. Tell your story walking. I don't even want to hear the end of the story. It's pissing, the first part of the story is pissing me okay, off. Okay, listen. So I said, of course, you're going to let someone crash at your, I, you know, they're homeless. Okay, sure. For a couple weeks, right? That couple weeks turned into more weeks. Then it turned into a month. And I'm like, when is this guy going to like find a place? And you can see like he had like things circled and stuff and, and, but never. What I had to do is mm. I had to call my sister in. I mm. said, we came up with a plan. She's like, okay, I, I think we can get him out. Her, our plan was she was going to sit in the middle of the living room and blast like Hallmark blast uh -huh. whatever she could think of <laughs> mm, right. and just sit there and you know like uh until he left which he did 
Okay. First of all, you're adorable. Here's the way this would have went down if I was in your life mm-hmm. then. Hi. We'd like you to walk out the door while you're still able to walk. <laughs> crime boss. That doesn't sound at all like a crime boss. boss. Yeah. No hallmark, no sister, no nothing. I love the fact how much uh, Chris loves his dad. And when he bought my son, he really stunk. And I love my father, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to thank Chris Stefano for being my guest. Uh, his podcast, Chrissy Chaos, and his podcast that he does with Sal Vacano is called Hey Babe. You can get them wherever you get your podcast. He's a very, very funny comedian and a sweet guy. Honey, if they want to get all of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And the show is growing. It's all because of you. Tell somebody you love about the show. That'll help us out. And it could leave us a review. That helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. My mom and dad come around. They, we go get them. They come around back to the dressing room. And my mother's going, would someone tell me what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's great. I got bumped. They ran out of time. What do you mean they ran out of time? We're here. Let's do this. I'm not coming all the way back into the city. I don't blame you, Louise. The traffic is a friggin' nightmare. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.